Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm Doug Sweeney here with my outstanding co-host, Kristen Padilla. Last week, Dr. Cecilia Walker joined us on the show to discuss hospital chaplaincy, a form of Christian ministry in which many of our students and alumni are engaged. This week, we're going to build on that special conversation with a discussion about the ministry of military chaplaincy. But before we get going, let me tell you about our virtual preview day on August the 13th. Due to COVID-19, this special Beeson event will be conducted online. That's a first for us. Prospective students will be able to hear and talk with many faculty, staff, students, and alumni. I myself will be involved. So if you or others you know are discerning a call to ministry, we would love for you or for them to join us. Preview day is free, and all who join us will have their $35 application fee waived. So please register to be with us again on August the 13th at BeesonDivinity.com. Kristen, if you please tell us about today's guest and get our conversation started. Hello, everyone. We have Dr. John D. Ling with us today on the show. He is the senior chaplain for the Texas Military Department and has served in the Army National Guard for more than 33 years with more than 25 of those in chaplaincy. He earned his PhD from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and has served as a professor of theology, philosophy, and ethics at a number of theological institutions. And Dr. Lang will be teaching two courses at Beeson this fall, which we're so glad about. Uh, he and his wife, Dr. Stefana Dan Lang, is a, um, a professor at Beeson, and so we're just so glad to have the Langs with us at our school. Dr. Lang, let's begin just getting to know you a little bit better. Anything you want to say about where you're from, uh, your faith in Jesus Christ, and anything more about your family? Sure. Uh, well, hello to the listeners out there. Um, so my name is John Lang. I was born actually in Montreal, Canada, but I grew up at least from the fourth grade in a small town in North Carolina in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, uh, Hickory, the, the capital of furniture factories for uh, the United States. And it's an area with a topography similar to that of Birmingham. So I was very glad when uh, Stefana came on at Beeston and we were able to move to this area. It's a beautiful area. Even though I grew up in a place that some people called the buckle of the Bible belt, <laughs> uh, church and faith were not particularly important in my life growing up. Um, even though we did ch uh, attend church sporadically, and I even had some Christian friends in school. My own testimony, though, when we think about coming to Christ, it's a bit long. But in brief, when I was 18, I encountered a series of events that broke down my pride the most conspicuous, especially for the topic today, was Army basic training. Well, in college, I became involved with the Bible study group, and I still didn't believe. And I remember praying to a God I wasn't even sure existed, and I asked him to help me believe because I wanted to, but I just didn't. 
And over time, as I read the Bible and attended worship services, uh, faith came. And uh, from there, I grew quickly as the Holy Spirit uh, used God's Word in my life and used uh, the church to help me grow in faith and mature. And God called me into ministry when I was in college. And uh, I went on to seminary and eventually met my wife at Southern Seminary. And we have three beautiful kids, Sydney, Sophia, and Alistair. Thank you, Dr. Lang. As Kristen has already mentioned, you serve as the senior chaplain for the Texas Military Department. Uh, probably some of our listeners understand this, but not all will understand that that's a really big deal. That's a, a lot of responsibility for chaplaincy in the military and the armed forces. Could you tell our listeners just a little bit about that job and what it entails for you? And then more importantly, how did you feel like the Lord was leading you into that kind of ministry? How did you become a military chaplain? Sure. So as the senior chaplain for the Texas Military Department, people would probably understand this in terms of the Army National Guard. So I'm a member of the Army National Guard in Texas, and I'm also the senior chaplain for the Texas Air National Guard and the Texas State Guard, all of which are actively involved in COVID response even now. I, though, joined the military when I was 17, and I was still a senior in high school, and I joined largely out of a sense of what you might call patriotism or a sense of duty to country. And so for the first seven years, I served as a scout in an infantry battalion. And it was during my time as a scout that I came to Christ, as I was saying before. And I also came to feel God calling me into ministry. Uh, that was during my junior year in university. But I never even really thought about chaplaincy ministry at the time. Uh, but God just kept opening doors for ministry with fellow soldiers as I was serving out my time. So as scouts, uh, our job was reconnaissance. We would go sort of behind enemy lines, so to speak, and find the enemy and report back so the infantry could plan their attacks and win the battle. That was what we trained in. And so we were often out on our own, miles away from everyone else. And so consequently, we rarely saw the chaplain who tended to be where most of the soldiers were. Our platoon leader knew I was a Christian, and he asked if I would lead a platoon worship service. And I told him it might be just him and I, but sure, why not? I'd be happy to do it. But that just shows my lack of faith, because to my surprise, almost all of my platoon, almost none of whom were Christian, by the way, <laughs> came to participate in the worship service. And then I began to have guys in the unit over time coming to me for spiritual counsel and prayer. And over the course then of the next year, we saw the platoon go from two out of 30 being saved to 20, uh, 28 out of 30 being saved. And one of the two atheists left was asking me to pray before we went on our missions just in case. <laughs> so it was through this experience and, uh, and also the chaplain talking to me about chaplaincy that uh, through these that God called me into chaplaincy ministry. So I thought I was going to get out uh, of the army after my first enlistment of six years, uh, but God had other plans for me, and I'm still serving, uh, finishing out my 33rd year now. Some of our listeners may wonder what is, you know, what is chaplaincy, and in particular, what military chaplaincy different from other forms of chaplaincy like hospital chaplaincy, which we heard about last week from Dr. Cecilia Walker. So can you explain uh, about military chaplaincy 
under the umbrella of chaplaincy? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so Dr. Walker probably mentioned this, but when, when you think about chaplaincy, it's probably best to describe it as ministry provided in a typically secular setting. Like we might say taking ministry outside the walls of the church and inside the walls of secular institutions. Now, military chaplaincy is obviously chaplaincy focused on care to military service members and their families. Um, but it does have some unique aspects to it, or at least somewhat unique aspects to it. For example, it's unique in that it is funded by the government. So in this way, it's kind of similar to federal prison chaplaincy, where we, we receive funding from the government to pay for us to do ministry, even though uh, in our nation, we talk about separation of church and state. Also, it's unique in this way that chaplains can find themselves in harm's way, just like any other military service member, because we are not only ministers, but we're ministers who wear the military uniform. We're soldiers as well and officers. And so in those ways, I think military chaplaincy is a bit unique from some of the other even forms of chaplaincy. You've engaged in military chaplaincy in some pretty difficult places, uh, Iraq, the Balkans, and other places. In settings like that, when you really are in harm's way, what's the significance of military chaplaincy? In what ways do soldiers rely uh, on their chaplains in the heat of battle? And are there some experiences of serving Christ uh, in those contexts that really stand out to you uh, as you remember the years? I would say this. I think the military, you know, if you think about like, why does the military have chaplains? I mean, there, there's a legal answer and then there's sort of the, the, the theological answer. The legal answer is to protect freedom uh, of religion and freedom of worship for the service members so that we make sure service members pulled out of their communities, sent to war zones overseas where there may not be opportunities to worship left by themselves, uh, that they have the opportunity to worship and that's what chaplains are there to do, lead them in worship. But the military also needs chaplains because military service members are, though, though tough, though strong, they're still frail human beings who need God just like any of us. And of course, military service uh, poses some unique, what I would call unique challenges that have uh, the potential to create um, spiritual and soul difficulties. Um, and these might be obvious, but I'll list a couple anyway. Uh, for example, forced separation from family and support systems for an extended period of time. You know, being deployed for 18 months away from your family and your friends and your church can be very uh, difficult for, for many service members. Obviously, witnessing the horrors of war and, and what we might even call some of the worst of humanity. Uh, again, service members have to deal with this. Oftentimes, service members are asked to do things that, that even challenge their own moral compass or their own uh, sense of what is right. Even though they're doing the right thing, there can be challenges to that, like picking up a gun and pointing it at, at you know, uh, civilians um, because uh, the, the requirement of the mission uh, calls for that. Living under, under a persistent threat to life and limb or the traumatic loss of friends and colleagues with you know, what we might say is little opportunity to grieve in what we would call a normal setting. And these are just to name a few. And so chaplains are there to offer 
the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, right? And this is an important component in meeting the challenges that service members face. And uh, we as chaplains try to help facilitate that movement of the spirit and that work of God in people's lives. As far as my own experiences go, of course, you know, I could share war stories all day long, <laughs> but I'll, I'll just, uh, I thought about a couple. Um, so in Kosovo, I had the opportunity, this is a, a unique thing about military chaplaincy as well. In Kosovo, I had the opportunity to help broker dialogue between Muslim and Orthodox Christian leaders in the communities uh, where we as the American soldiers were serving. And this was, of course, an important step forward in the, in the region because the region was plagued by what, what we refer to as religio-ethnic uh, violence, right? It was ethnic violence, but it was ethnic violence tied to religious commitments as well, or at least religious identities. Um, so helping facilitate some of that interreligious dialogue and can, can help move peace negotiations forward. Interesting, interesting work. In Iraq, I, uh, we held an international concert of praise with groups from seven countries uh, participating, uh, singing praises to God that could be heard throughout downtown Baghdad. I saw it as something of a, something of a mission project that, that uh, evening. But I also obviously had time where I had to deal with some pretty difficult issues. Um, one time I helped a unit uh, grieving the loss of a young soldier, a young teammate, and helped them through the process so that they could get back out on mission, because they had to go back out on mission. It's part of uh, the service. But I would say this, as a chaplain, of course, and as a minister, my goal wasn't simply to say whatever was needed, you know, to get them back out there but was rather to provide some soul care so that those individuals, those soldiers could begin to function again. And, uh, and of course, functioning again included getting it back out on mission, but it also included just getting through the day as a, you know, in, in a normal way, whatever normal looks like in a war zone. So those are just a few of the examples of the kinds of things that I've been able to do and had the opportunity to to serve the Lord in. I'm just thinking, Dr. Lang, as you're talking, that we might have a listener or two or more who would say, you know, I think God is calling me to chaplaincy ministry or even to military chaplaincy uh, ministry. What would you say to that person uh, about how one becomes a chaplain or some things to just even consider as they're discerning a call? Yeah, in, in my role as the senior chaplain, of course, part of my job is to counsel people who are interested and e even to interview them and evaluate whether they will be a good fit for this kind of ministry. Because we have a lot of folks who desire to serve the Lord and, um, and have a particular concept of what that's going to look like in military chaplaincy. And sometimes it's not a good fit for them, and that's okay. So let me, let me lay out a few things. So chaplaincy positions, broadly speaking, um, and the requirements uh, for those positions are regulated at the institutional level. So there are no set established requirements for any, for, for any particular kind of chaplaincy. Um, but many forms of chaplaincy require some formal training most commonly a Master of Divinity or equivalent from an accredited degree-granting institution. 
Also, most chaplaincy hiring institutions require some kind of, we call it an ecclesiastical endorsement. That's a, a big word for just saying the denomination from which the person comes says this person is a good example of our clergy. So I'm endorsed as a Southern Baptist chaplain and the North American Mission Board of the Southern, Southern Baptist Convention has to say, John Lang looks like a good Southern Baptist minister, whatever that is. And it's the same for most religions. And that way the institution ensures that they're getting a person who's qualified to serve without the institution getting into theological evaluations and debates. A lot of them also require formal recognition as clergy. So for example, something like ordination. So my advice to those interested uh, is first to prayerfully consider the MDiv, uh, doing an MDiv, because it provides a solid foundation for theological thought and formation. And it's a good place to start because having the MDiv can serve to open or keep open doors to opportunities that might not otherwise be available if they don't pursue that degree. In addition, of course, they should contact people working in the chaplaincy area they're interested in, in order to find out what the requirements are. I will say for the military, uh, depending on the, if you're talking about Army or Air Force, there are a little bit different educational requirements, but they all include a master's degree uh, in ministry formation of some kind and ordination and denominational endorsement. And then you also have to pass physicals and things that the military requires of all officers, security clearances, things like that. Uh, again, though, hospital chaplaincy, a little different. Police department chaplaincy, a little different. Law enforcement and public service chaplaincies, they're all different, but similar in the sense that they're all looking for people who are qualified clergy members, who are willing to serve and are willing to do what it takes to be uh, qualified and to be trained for the mini that ministry opportunity. Dr. Lang, as you know, a number of things going on at Beeson Divinity School these days uh, in support of those who feel as though God may be calling them into military chaplaincy. We have some new scholarship monies for students who feel that kind of calling. Uh, we're developing some new provisions for people who are considering military chaplaincy as a form of gospel ministry. And of course, we're offering a new class uh, this fall at school as well called Introduction to Chaplain Ministry, or chaplaincy ministry that, uh, that you yourself are teaching for us. Thank you very much uh, for teaching that for us. Uh, could you let our people know just a little bit about what you want to do in that class and what role you see that Beeson might be able to play in support of people who feel by the Lord to move into military chaplaincy? Well, the class uh, I'll be offering in chaplain ministry, as you said, is part of a larger emphasis at Beeson on chaplaincy. And I am uh, certainly excited to be a part of what God is doing here in Birmingham at Beeson. As far as the class goes, there are a number of things I want to do. One thing I want to do is introduce students to the broad range of ministry opportunities that is chaplaincy, because a lot of times People think they know the number of opportunities, but they really think in terms of just military, maybe prison and hospital, and that's it. And those are the three largest areas, but there are even broader uh, opportunities than that available. And so uh, bringing in some of our community, chaplaincy community leaders here in the Birmingham area to talk about what they do and how they do it, and really to expose students to a variety of perspectives because 
one of the things that's interesting about chaplaincy is you do have uh, a much broader sense of people serving alongside one another um, in ministry than you would have in a typical parish where most people are of the same denomination or very similar theological views. The other thing, though, that I want to do in the class is I want students to think theologically about ministry and about ministry in a secular context, which is, uh, has some uh, unique challenges of its own. It's, it's not quite the same as working in a church. And so some of the things we'll discuss in the class have to do with ministry to people who are not of the same faith as you, <laughs> ministry to people who maybe have no faith, uh, ministry to the sick and dying, and, and again, maybe those who are not from your church or from your faith tradition, and, and then how to see people outside of your faith tradition as colleagues, and yet obviously not in the same way as we would see colleagues of the same denomination. So there are a number of challenging theological issues associated with chaplaincy ministry that deserve attention and thought. Uh, now, Beeson, I think, is uniquely situated uh, as, uh, as a divinity school among divinity schools for chaplaincy training. And um, a number of reasons for that. One, of course, is the world-renowned faculty that uh, you've assembled there at Beeson, and uh, you and Dr. George have assembled there at Beeson, uh, just well-known scholars in uh, a variety of theological disciplines. Uh, but, but there are other things as well beyond that, like Beeson's commitment to in-person, at least as much as we can do these days in COVID-19, in-person training and personal relationships between faculty, mentors, and students. Because chaplaincy, perhaps even more so than what we might say traditional parish, parish ministry, really is grounded in personal interactions. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Sometimes the people that a chaplain is ministering to are, are the people that never will come to a Bible study or a worship service, but there's still people that need ministry and there's still people that we're ministering to. And so Beeson's commitment to the personal level in ministry training, I think, really helps students uh, focus in on the personal interaction in, uh, in ministry formation and in ministry delivery that you don't always get at uh, theological schools. Uh, another another thing about Beeson, I think, that's unique and that's helpful, especially for chaplaincy training, is its interdenominational character. Uh, one of the key differences, I already mentioned this, between chaplaincy ministry and church ministry or parish ministry is the pluralistic context within which that ministry is provided, right? I mean, again, your I serve as the chaplain to all the soldiers and all the service members and all their families of the Texas Military Department. And they're not all Christian. <laughs> there are a lot that are, but they're not all Christian. And they're certainly not all Baptist. And so it's a pluralistic con uh, context. And Beeson is unique in its decidedly interdenominational approach to ministry training. And I think this affords students the opportunity to interact with others training for ministry who, are, who come from a somewhat different perspective, but still within that broader evangelical theological framework, which I think is important because uh, we still want to retain our evangelical identity as we go out into these pluralistic settings. And so this context really enables students to envision ministry in a context different from traditional church setting and even 
say even different from a parachurch setting where oftentimes everyone comes from, again, a theo similar theological backgrounds. And the last one is kind of, uh, you know, is that, that Beeson is located in Birmingham, Alabama, which is an increasingly diverse community and uh, home to one of the uh, one of the nation's leading medical schools. Um, so if we if we see more students coming to prepare for healthcare chaplaincy at Beeson, I think they'll have uh, greater access to medical professional trainers, uh, both at Samford's College of Health Sciences and then, of course, also within the larger Birmingham community with uh, UAB's various schools of uh, of healthcare training. And so I think I think Beeson is is a, a great place for students to come. Uh, and study for chaplaincy. Thank you, Dr. Lang. And I'll add one more that those who want to train for chaplaincy at Beeson can do so uh, learning from you and getting <laughs> to <laughs> just, that is true. Uh, just drink from the well of your experience and not just experience. I did want to plug in your book real quick. I know we're almost out of time, but you have written a book called In Jesus's Name, Evangelicals and Military Chaplaincy. Uh, could you give us like a one to two minute, here's what the book's about, go buy it. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, okay, so I wrote the book as a textbook for a chaplaincy class I was asked to teach, and I really wanted to address what I think are theological concerns of evangelicals considering chaplaincy. Um, when I came back from Kosovo, I had a lot of people asking me about why chaplains were, military chaplains and sp specifically, were not being allowed to pray in Jesus's name. And of course, I'd never heard such a thing and I didn't know where it was coming from. And I found out there was uh, a lot of information out there claiming that chaplains were being court-martialed for praying in Jesus' name or for evangelizing. And, and that's actually not true. So I, I wrote the book, you know, partly as a textbook, but partly to try to alleviate the concerns of evangelicals who might be considering uh, chaplaincy ministry. And, and the, the bottom line, this is sort of the spoiler alert for the book. The answer is you don't have to be a compromiser. Uh, you can be a good Christ-honoring, evangelistic, evangelical Christian and also succeed in chaplaincy without getting in trouble or getting court-martialed. But it does require wisdom and it requires uh, perspective. And, and so that's kind of what I address. I spend quite a bit of time talking about legal issues regarding freedom of religion, freedom of speech, the challenge between these freedoms and government funding of chaplaincy. But on the whole, Right. The, the point was to say that we can be good evangelicals and we can be good Christians and still serve in these capacities. And I think that's important because, quite frankly, I want evangelicals in these secular institutions sharing the hope that we have in Christ. Amen. And I'll add, Kristen, the words you wanted to say. Go buy the book. It's great. John Lang, in Jesus name, evangelicals and military chaplaincy. Uh, so, John, we are out of time, but we always like to end these interviews by asking our guests to share with our listeners what the Lord's been teaching them uh, in recent weeks, recent months in their lives. And, of course, this is such a difficult season of life for so many of our listeners. I'm not sure how difficult it has been for you, how difficult it is for military chaplains, but uh, what has God been teaching you and any final words of encouragement for our listeners? Sure. Um, you know, <laughs> I've been challenged by 
COVID because um, even while as a chaplain, I have to be uh, creative in how I deliver ministry, I have struggled with ministry online and ministry via the phone because we uh, are unable to meet in person in many cases. I work with senior adults at, at uh, my church here in Birmingham. And so we're talking about some of the most vulnerable members of our community. And so uh, thinking through how to be a minister to people when we can't be together has, has been a challenge and a growth opportunity for me. And so uh, for me, the, what God has been teaching me is to, to be satisfied in Him, which sounds like something I shouldn't need to learn, but I think it's something I'm I'm constantly needing to learn every day uh, to trust him, to allow his spirit to work through me and in me and um, and through whatever means he may make available. Thank you very much, Dr. John Lang, for being with us. Uh, listeners, you have been listening to Dr. John D. Lang. He is the senior chaplain for the Texas Military Department. And more importantly for us, he is an adjunct professor of divinity here at Beeson Divinity School who will be teaching a couple of classes even this year. Thank you very much, Dr. Lang, for sharing your experience and your wisdom with us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Please do pray for the chaplaincy ministries that we're going to be trying to support here at Beeson Divinity School in years ahead. Uh, thanks very much for your ongoing prayers for us as we return this fall during the COVID epidemic. Uh, ask that the Lord will give us wisdom to care well for all the students he brings our way. And thanks for being with us today. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes.